Welcome to episode 36 of the KBB Review Podcast. My name is Andy Davis and I'm still up here in the loft looking out to my one skylight and enjoying the early autumn sunshine as it casts its shimmering cloak across Penge. This week we're looking into a couple of issues that have come out of the lockdown and are vital to the future, both immediate and long term, of the independent KBB retail sector. And that's what the role of the supplier area sales manager will become in a post-lockdown market. And if the shortage of reliable fitters is holding back retailers' ability to make the most of the post-lockdown consumer demand. I'm talking to Alistair Jones, who is a KBB Review award-winning area sales manager for Uform, and Mark Conacher, who runs Liberty, a very successful KBB fitting company in Scotland. But first... It's Tailless Media shameless plug time, and while I have your ear, I want you to remember that the best way to listen to this podcast is through an app such as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. Search KBB Review, or one word, and then you can see all the previous episodes, subscribe so you don't miss new ones, and then leave us a nice review and boost my fragile ego for a few fleeting seconds. Now, during the whole lockdown period, one of the biggest changes in the day-to-day management of the independent kitchen and bathroom retail sector, I think, has been how suppliers communicate with the showrooms. And in particular, the life of the rep was turned upside down. One minute they were out on the road drinking enormous amounts of Red Bull, and the next they had to become Zoom experts if indeed they weren't furloughed. So, Where are we up to now and what permanent changes might take place as we move forward? So to talk all this through, who is better than the reigning kitchen sales rep of the year, which you picked up at our KBB Review Retail and Design Awards back in March, and it's Alistair Jones. Hello, Alistair. Hello, Andrew. How are you? I'm all right, sir. How are you getting on? How long ago does March feel now, picking up that award? It feels a lifetime ago. KBB just seems to have been a generation ago, literally. It really does. I can't believe it was any six, seven months ago. It's crazy. It's really odd, isn't it? Really odd. So look, let's let's take a step back here um, and give us a quick overview. Obviously, you're you're an area sales manager for Uform. Yes, that's your, that's your company. But give us a quick overview on that. What areas you cover? How many customers you've got? That kind of thing. Now I know this might be a struggle to believe, but I look after the West Midlands. You wouldn't have thought that with my accent. There's a twang in there, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's a certain twang. And then I come get down into the Worcestershire, into the South Wales M4 sort of corridor. And then I also look after trade partnerships. So some of our manufacturing partners that we partner up with to maybe get some specification work and contract work. But essentially, my main day-to-day role is an area sales manager role looking after the West Midlands and South Wales. So let's put this in perspective here. How much of your job do you think was spent face-to-face, going from one showroom to the next, meeting people, keeping relationships going in a very handshaky kind of way? I've been in the KBB industry since I was 16, more or less, and it always has been very face-to-face, hands-on orientated. Pressing flesh was key. People buy from people. I'm a firm believer in that. And obviously the product is very important, but also the rapport that you build as a, as a representative of whichever company you're working for is very important. When the lockdown happened, I thought this is going to change our lives massively. And to a certain extent, it has. I would have thought 70% of our time would have been in the car, face-to-face, and then other 30% doing admin and planning and business planning. Where's a business and, and Eamon's and, and Wes, my bosses, are, are, are very important with the planning because a good salesman needs to have good planning. Um, so we take Fridays and we work from home to plan the following week and we feel that is a, 
the best way of progressing to be a successful salesman. A lockdown would uh, affect you more as much as anybody if you're spending 70% of your time out seeing people. So, so what happened when that lockdown started? What, what happened to you? We were furloughed uh, as a team. But during that time of furlough, I felt it was a good time to maybe to look at what we can do better and how can we use our time more accordingly. So, for instance, is it worth going to a new business two and a half hours in a car, which is the furthest point in my area, to backfind, that we call it, where we're getting to understand what the business requires from Uform as a, as a, as a supplier? Or would it be best maybe to do that in a Zoom, stroke, Teams meeting, whatever works best, whichever platform works best, and keep those two and a half hours that you would be in the car, obviously cost of diesel, maybe cost of stopping out, that you could quite easily, and this is definitely what lockdown has helped, get the the first initial meetings done via a video conferencing. And I think that that's a positive that lockdown has brought in for this for our industry and other sales industries as well, to be honest with you. Yes, it's important to meet people, but the video technology I've grasped and used, and, and it's amazing, actually, that more and more people in our industry that I think it's fair to say would be averse to using before lockdown are now very happy to use that as a, as a tool. The role of the of the rep, whatever the job title you attach to that, because I know lots of people don't like being called reps, do they? But the business managers, area sales managers, whatever the the all encompassing term involves, it's not just the management of a relationship, isn't it? You have a very face to face shake hands, press the flesh, as you say, but you become friends with these guys. If you have uh, very long term commitments with them, you end up being sort of business advisors. You end up being trainers. It's much more than just saying hello every now and again, isn't it? Absolutely right. I mean, I think the days, and not being rude, but the days of being a, a merchandiser, sort of, you know, as an area sales manager where you're a brochure dropper and having a cup of tea, those days have gone, especially we're so busy as, a, as an industry now. People want to have that agenda of what's in it for them, what's in it for us. So I think you need to be far more prepared than we ever have been before. We were always prepared as a sales team, but even more so now is to make sure that we are getting the optimum amount of the amount for these for the calls that we do because we understand how precious time is now for every retailer. We, we fully understand that and we've got to use that time accordingly. So I think what I'm getting at here is the Zoom technology or the video conferencing technology is absolutely great, as you say, for some things, but it's so difficult to have that kind of relationship with people through this kind of technology, isn't it? That's, that, I think that's the part that, w- that people will miss the most. That, that's right. But having said that, it's, it's better than a phone call. It's a, it's a step up from a phone call. If this had happened 20 years ago, we'd have had phone calls and that would be it. Now we've got the video conferencing and obviously being a, a door manufacturer or a door supplier representative, Eamon Donnelly, who's our boss and is well known within the industry, he always says that you have to give our doors a heart and two lungs. And what he means by that is you've got to, you've got to believe in the product and give it life. And it's very difficult to do that over a screen. You can try and you can do things, but you still need to get to the face-to-face. And it's it's testament to the industry that we've worked so hard to get our showrooms open. Uh, and on the whole, the majority of our customers have been more than accommodating to all of us to accept us back in, and we really appreciate that very much. I think where the, the Zoom technology comes in for us is the actual, the, maybe the new business. So you can establish and build a rapport initially, and then 
see if it's work mutually beneficial to, to further that progression of conversation on with coming down to to see the retailer because you also need to understand what the showroom's like what works what would work in their showroom from our particular point of view as a door supplier rep so it's very important that we go to see the showrooms as well but i think it's definitely give us a filter if you like andrew i think that's the main i think that's the main advantage of the technology of video technologies brought us it gives us a filter that we can ascertain as to what best route to go down um, with regards to new business yeah it's efficient use of your time i suppose is yeah. what it gives you doesn't it yeah how have your actual retail customers been are they are they desperate to see you to sort stuff out for them how's it working First of all, if you, you've obviously met me, and I don't think there's very many people in the world that would be desperate to see me. Desperate is probably the wrong word. I think that they are keen to talk about business. Yes, they are. They are keen to talk about. Obviously, we spent KBB with launching brand new product, and we need to get there. And we haven't really had chance until coming back to work to to really roll out our new product either. So, yes, they are interested in talking about displays, things like that. They want to renovate their showrooms. They understand. I think for me, and this is my opinion, lockdown in our industry is probably one of the few industries that could benefit from the lockdown because obviously people aren't going on holidays and they've got the spent money on holidays that are unfortunately cancelled. That money is being spent on home improvements. I've seen that some economic stuff launched in the last couple of days saying there's a, a massive upsurge and we're all feeling that. We're all feeling the upsurge, which is fantastic. Long may continue. We're delighted with where we are uh, as a business and the target that we're looking at. But the good news is that for me, it's on far past pent-up demand now. This is ongoing. We've got retailers that are, are booking into January now, Andrew. That's how, bu- how busy people are, and that's a fantastic testament to all the independent retail available in KBB. I think it's I think it's brilliant that we are so vibrant. Okay, so and I think that's completely true. But we've been running the uh, Save Our Skills campaign, as I'm sure you know. And let's be honest about it. Most of the people who are being made redundant out there are the area sales guys. Yeah. And that seems slightly incongruous with the demand that suddenly seems to be happening. I I agree. I mean, again, personally, from my own viewpoint, I think some manufacturers have looked and maybe been a bit knee-jerk. Is that the right word? Where I think... The sales guys do a valuable service and I think that a lot of people have either furloughed the staff and thought that they'll go along okay or they haven't brought them back soon enough or indeed made redundant. I think obviously we've never gone through a global pandemic so there's not a right or wrong because we've never really done anything before but I think there was a lot of knee-jerk action from the government's sort of guidelines and people were thinking more you talk about a recession the more likely you are to fall into one so i think that if we can turn into a, a positive and show and, and prove that the pent-up demand is still there then i think that that's what the industry should be shouting from the rooftops for because i think it's very easy to talk yourself into negativity if you stay positive I think you're more likely to get a good outcome the reverse is true though isn't it to deliberately take the contrary here that the more efficient guys like you get with their time the more they can use technology to help perhaps you don't need as many of you I mean, I think it gives every chance to every organisation to look at uh, the, the resource versus what they need to do as a, for budget and turnover that the business needs to do. And I think when you get time for the businesses, businesses are shut down, it does give time to take stock and evaluate. And, and there may be some businesses that felt they were over-resourced and make, maybe it's a good time to cut the cloth accordingly. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm just looking at 
how often in business do you get time to stop everything and take stock over six, eight, ten weeks to, to review what your business does? And it's never happened before. So maybe some businesses have been overcautious um, and maybe some businesses have grasped the nettle and, and made the difficult decisions at that time. We as a team are busier than we've ever been. Uh, we're really excited about the future. We're, we're confident we've got uh, uh, one of the best teams in the industry, if not the best. Expect me to say that, but I really do believe it. Uh, and we are working really hard with our retailers to provide a service that we think is unparalleled, both from the area sales manager team and Uform as a, as a whole. That symbiotic relationship between retailer and supplier is so vital to, to how this industry operates. And sometimes it can be very difficult. Sometimes it can be fantastic. And it's, it's going to be really interesting to see if this has any long-term changes in it. I mean, if we jump forward, say, three, four, five years, Alistair, what, what do you think your role will be then? I think the area sales manager role will always be a key part of the communication process um, between the supply chain, which we are, and the retail. I'm on this job and anybody that knows me and most of my customers if they listen to this will probably giggle because I say it most calls I think there's three things you do in this industry as a rep and I'm fortunate I suppose because I think the reason why I've been quite successful is of course I've been at both sides of the desk I've been worked in retail worked in distribution worked in manufacturing I've worked across um, various guises of of the KBB industry so I think I've got the empathy of if we don't do what we say we're going to do I know the reason that that leads to the retailer so i get it i've been there done it bought the t-shirt myself i've I've felt the pain when people let people down so i think three rules for me as an area sales manager you do what you say you're going to do under promise and over deliver and i won't swear because it's not the sort of time to swear but bad news is best delivered hot so what i mean by that is if i know that we're going to let somebody down i'll make sure we found one of us pick the phone phone up to a customer and say I'm really sorry, it's not going to happen. At least then they can plan accordingly. If there's nothing worse a retailer hates than waiting for delivery all day that doesn't arrive. And I think that if you stick to those three things as a rep, I don't think you go far wrong. It just shows that even despite all the technology that's available, it's, it's actually very simple customer service skills that make this kind of, that, that grease the wheels here, isn't it? It's not rocket science. At the risk of being controversial, I think people make this job complicated. I really do. I think I think if you if you stick to the process that you believe in and you stick to the process that makes you successful and it works for you, then you'll gain results. Well look, Alistair, I'm gonna test you now, okay? Yeah. Because you're gonna you're gonna have to do a sales job on me, right? Okay. You've got to sell me the benefits of your deserted kitchen island disc. You've got to sell me why you think this is the best record, the best song that's gonna cheer everybody up. Well, I think it's quite testament to some of the challenging times that people are getting through the occasional stockheads that we've got without the global pandemic coming out, not just us, I think it's across the industry from appliances through to fittings through to whatever they're selling for a kitchen. It doesn't seem to be anything in stock. Most of my customers will tell you that I am a little bit of a Mickey taker a lot of the time, and I do, I do try to use humour as much as I possibly can. And there was a, a, a very good song that reminds me of when I to an angry retailer or a disappointed retailer and it's by the arctic monkeys and it's uh now then mardi boom and the oh yes i've seen your frown and it's like looking down the barrel of a gun i have i have in the past got stress not for you form walked in with a metal colander on my head when i know i was going to get a rollick enough customer and said come on then let's have it and pretended to use a tea that and that sort of 
going to alleviate the problem. You have to choose your customer, of course, with that. <laughs> but they'll just look at you as if you're an idiot and then they don't say it to you. Well, that's one way around it. There'll be a big run on colanders now. <laughs> Well, Alistair, it's been brilliant talking to you, and I think this role is so vital for how this industry works. You're the guys up and down the motorways, keeping everybody in line and keeping everybody informed. So you do a fantastic job, and I do hope that that all the changes that will come because of the, the lockdown are all positive ones. Thank you very much, and I just wanted to finish by thanking all of the retailers that are continuing to see our guys and everybody else in the industry up and down the road. It does mean a lot to us, and it makes us want to get out of bed every morning and make sure that we can provide a service to them. So thank you very much. That's brilliant, Alistair. We'll catch up again soon. Yeah, cheers, Andrew. Thanks very much. Thanks, mate. Okay, speaking to lots of retailers over the last couple of weeks, it's clear that the availability of good fitters is becoming a real problem for those businesses trying to make the most of the post-lockdown demand. And this all highlights yet again the long-term skills shortage when it comes to quality kitchen and bathroom installers. So, hopefully, let's talk to someone who knows installation inside out. We've got Mark Conacher, the Managing Director of Liberty, based in Dundee. Hello, Mark. Hi, Andy. How are you doing? I'm all right, sir. Thank you for sparing us a little bit of time today. Now, before we get stuck into the big issue here, uh, give us a bit of background on Liberty. Liberty has been going since say, 2003. We are predominantly been an installation company, but we do supply kitchens and bathrooms as well ourselves. We've always had contracts. We work with lots of large retailers. Things are great. We've been going, going well just now. The company is based in Dundee, but you are not. Where are you, Mark? I'm 7,000 kilometres away in Vancouver in Canada. Right, so you run a kitchen and bathroom fitting company in Dundee from Canada. I do indeed, yeah. So that makes you a remote working pioneer. So I think we'll come on to that a little bit later and talk about that then. But let's talk about um, this current pressure on installers and fitters. Retailers are saying that literally there just aren't enough fitters to go around. There aren't enough hours in the day to cope with this sudden post-lockdown demand. Do you concur with that? There's always a shortage of skilled tradesmen, but I think it's been highlighted because we've suddenly got three months' worth of shutdown, we've got three months' worth of work, and everybody wants everything done yesterday. And that's really what's highlighting, I think. There's always been a problem with trades. I don't know. Everybody wants to go to university now. The eye's been taken off the ball in regards to trades. Trades used to be a great thing to be to go into. We need to get into the school and speak to the young people, get tradesmen into the schools speak to the young people and explain what you could really have a, a great career. That's very much the long-term view of it. But obviously there's a very immediate problem here, isn't there? Because retailers have been shut. They were all worried about what was going to happen with their businesses. They were all hoping that, that this demand would come flooding back when lockdown was eased. They were right. The demand is there. And they're worried now that this sudden period to make hay, to make up for the gap isn't going to be capitalised on enough because of the shortage of fitters. Is there anything that can be done in the short term, do you think? I don't know. We're all juggling this. We're inundated and we want every job that comes to us. But there's there's only so many hours in a day. And that's that's not any different for retailers. They could only design so many kitchens a day. How you suddenly produce you know, all these traditional fitters for what can be a short period of time? This is going to level out again. This isn't going to be like this forever. So you find another thousand fitters tomorrow and then it all dies down, then what do we do? Do I mean it all does is just dilutes the work for everyone? And now we've got a whole lot of fitters all standing about. 
there's a danger too that you end up cutting corners or perhaps putting people on jobs that they're not experienced enough to do properly and ultimately the consumer end up suffering because of that. Absolutely. There's a lot of fitters out there. They're not good fitters, but organisations like the, the BIKBBI is a great organisation to go through and that kind of guarantees, or doesn't always guarantee, but it guarantees as, as much as you can that you're going to get someone who's qualified, someone who's been checked through, someone who's using electricians and plumbers that are qualified. That's the best route to go down. They're the only ones that are really supporting this industry and from an installation point of view. And I think the more installers that get involved with IKBBI, the better it will be. As you quite rightly say, this is not a shock that this is happening because the shortage of skills is something that people like you guys, people like the BIKBBI have been talking about for a very long time. But actually, whenever we talk to retailers, we did a survey back in November, which again seems like a very, very long time ago, um, asking them what the biggest issues surrounding their business are. And above Brexit was finding good fitters. <laughs> I remember being an apprentice and it being talked about not a long time ago. Again, it, the only way to change this is to get back to grassroots. You're not going to change this overnight. So there's a shortage of fitters now. We need to juggle this and get through this period. As I said before, I don't believe that this this surge in work is going, to, is going to last forever, but we just need to try and man-manage people. It's more a case then of there's not a lot you can do about it now, but let's make sure we don't face this again next time. Yeah, there's a ton of work out there just now. We're having to do it with our customers. And people understand. I mean, first of all, we're all frightened about saying, oh, no, I mean, it's going to be six weeks before we can fit your kitchen. But actually, if you explain it properly, they understand and they're willing to wait. They know that it's coming. Just as an aside to that, what kind of response are you getting from customers at the moment about having fitters installers inside their home? Are they, are they also pretty comfortable with it these days? I would say 99.9% of people are very comfortable <laughs> not too comfortable. You know, I know. I know. My partner goes and sees when he goes to see jobs. He's inside, and and, and suddenly the you know, customers are getting. It's, it seem to forget all about COVID. Um, he feels himself getting backed into a corner, <laughs> trying to keep socially distanced from people. I mean, we've had a couple of customers that are really focused on it and making sure that even from their point of view, that now we're going to be wearing masks and telling us what they want to do. Um, which is great because then we're both coming at it from the same side. But on the whole, they're relaxed about it all. Let's have a look at what some solutions are here. Imagine I'm a retailer and I'm suffering at the moment because I've got I've got too many jobs and not enough fitters. I don't want this to happen again in another few years' time. What practically can I do, do you think, to help ease this problem going forward? Support the IKBBI because they're the only ones that are supporting installation. They're the ones that are putting pressure on the government to change things. There will never be a quick fix on this. It's got to go back to grassroots. You've got to get into the schools and show people that, that being a tradesman is, is a great career and you can make money. Everybody can't be a doctor or a lawyer. Everybody shouldn't be a doctor or a lawyer. But there's plenty of successful businesses out there that are trade. And I don't think the kids know that. Yeah, we can't solve this problem here and now, can we? But it's safe to say that it's not going to go away. As you say, it will ease a bit as the as the demand falls back to more normal levels. But what your message here is, remember what it was like in this moment and play your part going forward. Absolutely, absolutely. There's, there's a lot to be done. 
Now, look, I want to talk a little bit about working remotely, Mark, because we all suddenly got sent home, and I'm up here in my loft, famously. I'm still up in my loft. I'm currently looking at a pile of Lego. But how did you end up in Canada? I mean, you were born in Canada, weren't you, I think? I was born in Toronto, yeah. My parents had emigrated in the 60s, but my dad couldn't handle it and was homesick. And and they ended up, they had me, but they ended up back in Scotland again. I always had an inkling that I would perhaps come back here or try it. It got to a stage in my life, my wife, four kids, but we kept having this this conversation, this, why don't we do something? Let's do something different. People in Dundee tended to stay in Dundee. We looked, well, why don't we emigrate? Why don't we go to Canada? In our mind, it was always Toronto, but I did a lot of research and said, how about Vancouver? I couldn't find anything negative about Vancouver. So I came over here on my own for a week. I drove around and checked out everything. And within a couple of days, called my wife and said, no, yeah, let's do it. And eight months later, we were here. I could see that story, and it's and it's fantastic, and it's brave, and it's positive, and, and it's really, really inspiring. But I can see you would go over there and start a company over there or join a company over there, but you just decided to carry on with the one you already had. What happened was, first of all, it was very exciting, over moving. Once the dust started to settle and started to think about it and think about my business, and I thought about the guys that worked for me, you know, and maybe then we directly, but all my subcontractors, there was a lot of people who made a lot of money out of what I did. And here was me just walking away saying, I'm all right, Jack. Something about that didn't sit well at all. So I thought, why don't I bring someone in, create a partnership and, and get someone to run things from there? Thomas, my partner, he was really the only candidate. I knew he'd subcontracted to me. I knew he was great with customers. We sat down, we discussed it, and, and he, was, he was really positive about it and really up for it. I mean, most people obviously who have been sent home or working remotely uh, have an office-based job. You can't fit someone's kitchen remotely, obviously. So how does he actually work on a day-to-day basis? Thomas, he he runs the day-to-day. He runs the guys. He organises their jobs. He will also go and see all our customers, and he will pre-fit and survey all the jobs. He sends all that information to me, and I will do all the pricing and all the admin side and if anybody emails, it's me that answers. I start at not usually around 5.30 in the morning, my time, which is 1.30 in the UK. That allows me to get the afternoon that I can speak to the guys, I can speak to the subcontractors, or if I need to speak to customers or the retailers. I've got a few hours there while everybody's open and still working. And then I continue on into the night, Tom, and I speak for too long every night, a couple hours every night. And we offload information to one another, and then I carry on. Remote working is all quite new to most of us here. You've been doing it for a very long time, far, far away. What advice can you give us here? What are the pros and cons that we should know that you have learned? It was self-discipline. I've always been quite a self-disciplined person, but this took it to a new level. Very difficult to sit at your desk when you know you're thinking of the time difference. So it's, I'm starting to work in the evening for you guys, and Man United are on the TV. <laughs> that's hard to sit at your desk uh, when there's things on the television or something you want to watch. It's summer, the sun's out, the kids are outside, you want to go out and enjoy it, you can't. You've got to stick to the desk. And so self-discipline was a was a difficult one. One of the biggest con I f- find is that it's the length of my day. 
And whilst I'm self-disciplined, my, my worst thing is, is stopping working. So because I work from home, I tend to work all the time. For whatever reason, I, I get up, I go and make a cup of coffee in the evening and come through and oh, I wonder if there's any emails or I'll maybe just send that, that price. And you sit down at your desk and before you know it, there's another half an hour gone. And, and so the length of my day can just go on and on. And that's, that's something I find really difficult to stop working. So I guess a lot of people are going to find that. I think people are worried about working from home and, and how much work would they actually get done? Would there be a lot of diving and ducking and diving? And actually, I think the opposite. I think people will work hard. And the beauty of it is whilst there's certain things I've got to do at a certain time, there's a whole load of it I can do across 24 hours. There's no issue about walking away and going and seeing my kids play. Working from home is great. I've been doing it for 10 years now. And uh, I wouldn't change a thing. I love it. Well, that's brilliant. As I say, it's very inspiring stuff. But, of course, what everyone's interested to know now, Mark, is is the hybrid, the crossover, the Scottish-Canadian mix here of how that will feed into your deserted kitchen island disc. So what is it, Mark? What is your most feel-good get-up-and-dance song? This is I didn't know whether Canadian or whether it was Scottish, but it's the Proclaimers. And I'm on my way. Of course it is. Of course it's the Proclaimers. If it hadn't been the Proclaimers, I would have been annoyed if you hadn't picked Run Rig. I want to go Canadian with, well, Canadian's an American band, but Journey, Don't Stop Believing. That's a huge song. Oh, yeah. I don't know why. Everybody loves it here. I don't know why. That was my Canadian song. Thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. Thank you for joining across hands across the globe here for the KBB Review Podcast. You, are, you must be our, our furthest away participant so far, I think. So, mate, thank you so much, and we'll speak again soon. We'll speak again. Bye now. Bye. That's episode 36 all done. Massive thank yous, of course, to Alistair and Mark for their insights. I'd love to know what you think. You can email me directly on andrewdavis at taylorsmedia.com, and that email address is in the episode description. I'll see you next time.